You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Just a quick welcome to those who are online today as well, uh, recognizing that for, for some, you're still unable to come and and we understand that, and we want, uh, hopefully, you're going to be encouraged today as well. And um, even as we mentioned earlier, just let us know that you're on, even by just putting it on Facebook. If uh, you don't have an app still, uh, put it on Facebook or on live stream there. Just uh, join the chat there, as we were doing uh, during those, uh, when we're all uh, isolated. And uh, we're going to continue our series in Proverbs today. And uh, today, we're going to look at Justice triumphs over injustice. Justice triumphs over injustice. Um, anything in the news about justice lately? Anyone? It's like, okay, like a lot, right? There's been a whole lot of talk about justice uh, online. And this morning, I want us to think about, well, what is justice? Who, who determines what is just? Do governments? Is that the job of government? Yes. And what about billion-dollar companies? A lot of, of billion-dollar companies talking a whole lot about justice these days. Is it organizations? Is it churches? And what I want us to see as we look at God's Word this morning, that ultimately justice is the Lord's. It is His because He is the standard He is the one who has determined what is right and what is wrong. He is the creator of this world, and as such, he has authority to tell us what is good and what is is bad. And this is going to be crucial as we look at this this morning. If we're going to to understand justice, we have to understand justice as God defines it. The second thing as we're going to go through this is that we need to understand that we have a responsibility when it comes to justice. It's not just to put in the hands of someone else, but justice should be seen in God's people and the way that they interact with the church, their family, and the world around them. And then thirdly, we're going to see that God, the, God, the way that God created this earth and who God is resulted in a major problem. Right? And I'm going to leave that to the end, the third point. If you are um, a believer, you might already know what I'm talking about. But there's a major problem when it comes to justice in this world because of who God is. And uh, there was really only one solution. And we're going to look at that in our third point today. So this morning, before we get started, I want you to ask yourself this question. How do I determine what is right and what is wrong? How do I determine that? What does that look like in your life? What is the just thing and what is the unjust thing? How do you determine that in your life on a daily basis? And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Before we do, let me pray for us one more time. God, we do thank you that we have the joy this morning of gathering together. Or if there's anything that we've been taught over the last several months, Lord, is that to never take this for granted. That, Lord, we have been given a great gift in being able to gather in this way. 
to remember, God, that we are a family, to remember, even on this Sunday as we gather, to remember, proclaim that, Lord, you rose again on that Sunday, on that first Sunday, that we remember, even as we gather today, that you are the resurrected Lord. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we gather today. We desire today, Lord, that your name will be high and lifted up in this gathering today. We desire today that, Lord, we would leave here better worshipers than when we came in. We desire this morning specifically that we would have a better understanding of justice according to your word. And that, Lord, we would live accordingly as we leave this place today. Lord, we thank you that you have not left us on your own. You've given us your spirit to guide this preacher and to guide each one listening. Lord, use this time to make us more like you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so you're going to need a Bible. Now, I say that because we want to we know this is from God's Word, right? The message is from God's Word. Everyone says, Amen. The authority is in God's Word. And, and someone uh, brought up a really good point last week. This is not easy going through the Proverbs, right? We're used to what? Verse 1 says this. Everyone look at it. Yeah, we see it. Verse 2 says this. Oh yeah, right there, I see it. But what I'm going to do today, and, and I just want to give a public thanks to Dean this morning, because <laughs> he's going to try to help us out by putting like the 40 different Proverbs from 1 through 30 that we're going to be looking at uh, this morning. So he's going to put them on the screen to help us. So if you don't get time to flip there, it should be on the screen. So you can say, hey, that's what the Word of God says. If you don't trust me, go ahead and write them down as well. Okay, that's a good thing. Always, always make sure that the preacher's actually preaching from the Word of God. And, uh, and then we're going to look at it together. So I just want to, you know, it's a different series. Um, but it, I, I want us to, to learn some things. That's why we're looking at these Proverbs. Learn some things uh, from wisdom literature that will be helpful for us as we go through these crazy days in which we live right today. All right? And as we already talked about, justice is a major component of what is being talked about in our world. And we as believers should have a better sense of justice than anyone. For point one, our God-given sense of justice is the character of God. A God-given sense of justice this is the character of God. As I already mentioned, man claims to know a lot about justice. There's a whole lot of people telling us, if you want to go on your social media feed, if you want to you know, get in the media, uh, on the media, watch any media, you see there's a whole lot of talk about justice. But are they right? The first verse I want us to look at is Proverbs 16.2. Proverbs 16, 2 says this, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. The reality is that as humanity, our idea of justice is skewed. We look at the situation, and if we're involved in the situation, then our idea of justice is really skewed, Right? I, I love this quote by Bridges. He said, if man was his own judge, who would be condemned? 
If man was his own judge, who would be condemned? The answer would be no one, right? I'm sure if you went and talked to Hitler, he would have a great reason as to why he was doing what he was doing, and it was good. You're kind of looking at me like, well, I don't know about that. Okay, uh, married people. Uh, let's just pretend, maybe you've seen it on, but let's just pretend you had an argument. Maybe it happens sometimes. And what happens after the smoke has cleared, hopefully quickly, but after that, there's a need for reconciliation. And if we're not careful, as we come to that time of reconciliation, we're going to come in as a lawyer in a trial, and we're going to give a defense as to why we did what we did. You know, I know I shouldn't have raised my voice, but I'm just so tired. I'm just, I was just really hungry, you know, or like we have an excuse for it. This is what Bridges is talking about. We, we, we give lip service to that we were wrong, but you should understand why I was wrong. And let's, can we just sweep it under the rug and can we just get back to life as normal? Justice in, viewed from our own eyes is quickly skewed. Some carry this idea of changing what is just into a lifestyle. It's this idea of blame shifting well, I drink a lot because of my past. Well, then drink away, right? Isn't that what they're saying? How about this? I left my spouse because they didn't appreciate me anymore. Well, then it's okay. Isn't that what we're saying? I hate others because of the way my family was. You know, I have these racial stereotypes in my mind. It's just my family, and so... So it's okay then? We end up saying that, in our, that our ways are pure, just as this verse is saying, and that we are without fault because of our circumstances. So there's plenty of evidence to say that this verse is 100% correct. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But catch the end. But the Lord weighs the Spirit. You can make any defense you want. At the end of the day, the Lord will determine whether you were right or whether you were wrong, whether you were just or whether you were unjust. Proverbs eleven twenty one says this, Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. God sees it all. And he assures us that when there has been wickedness, when there have been, there's been an evil committed, it will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16, 11. A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. And this idea is, is that God is the one who measures. He is the standard. He is the, he is the scale by which all things are measured. If the scales are off, let's be honest, after this COVID thing, we probably would be okay if the scales were off a little bit. 
Uh, I mean, if you're thinking of those kind of scales, right? But what, but what we're saying, what is the right thing when we think about the scales? And the scales are the Lord's. He tells us what is right and what is wrong. He has perfect justice for he is all-knowing, right? He knows your intention of your heart. He knows your action. He knows your words. He knows everything about you. So as the judge, he has perfect knowledge, and he is all-powerful, and so he is able to carry out justice. He alone is holy. The measures used to determine justice are the Lord's, and he is perfect in his judgments. Look at Proverbs 29, 26. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. In other words, we, we do look to our governments. God has placed governments over us to maintain a society. And we're going to look at this a little bit as we go through here. Some governments do a, a pretty good job of justice. And then there's other governments who do a terrible job of justice. And, 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 and by the way, it's a lot based on this book right here. Right? If they are not living according to any principles found in here, it's an unjust government and there's all kinds of injustice happening. And in those cases, a verse like this is so important for a person to remember that though they go to their government and they find no justice, they will find justice someday. It is the Lord who brings justice. We think about our brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted, oftentimes by governments who are or are intentionally seeking them out. As they cry out to the Lord, they can be assured that the Lord sees what is happening and he will bring justice. He will make all things right. When we see injustices happening and then no consequences, it can be tempting to go the way of being unjust. Over and over and over again, we see in our world, right? Well, look at, I mean, think of Psalm 73. Look at the wicked, they're doing really well. Meanwhile, I'm being righteous and it's not going well for me. In fact, it's going really badly. So maybe I should compromise what I think is right based on what it says here and then just for a season, maybe just for a while, go the way of injustice. Maybe that will turn out better for me. Be assured God sees and he will bring justice. Churches are continually under pressure to conform to the ways of the world. Three main sources of injustice in our world First, of course, is Satan. Satan is a major source of injustice in the world. He was there from the beginning. He continues today. He is the very opposite of God. He takes God's word and he twists it. Uh, reading Proverbs 8.8, 8, speaking of our Lord, it says, all the, all the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. Satan is the direct opposite of that. He takes God's word and continually is twisting, twisting, twisting. 
He did it with Adam and Eve, and he's still doing it today, and he will continue to do so. And in our nation, in our day, we're seeing many churches say, well, I know we used to believe that about these verses, but we're going to change. We're going to change what we believe now because of the pressure from our second source of injustice, the world. The world is, is, is saying, get on board with our idea of justice. And if you don't, we're taking you out. There is, is it becoming increasingly that way. They're, they're, they're increasingly hostile. Proverbs 4, 19 says this, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. This is an important verse for you and I to remember when we think about the pressure of the world to, to, for us to conform to them. We need to remember that the way of the wicked is deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. In other words, as they follow their father, Satan, they don't even know what they're doing. Remember what it says in Ephesians 6, that our enemy is not flesh and blood. But it is the rulers, it's the principalities, it's Satan and his forces. That is our true enemy. And so let us not, I get it, I get it. When you see things, especially when they're coming directly against you, it can be tempting to be like, kind of rise up and like, I'm going to, we want to get them. Or we, you know, it's us against them kind of mentality. It's not, it's us the church under Jesus Christ versus Satan. Let's remember that. So, but they're part of that system, that part of that pressure coming against you. We want to go that, to them with the gospel, those who are in the world. And then, of course, is, again, as we've already mentioned, yourself is this third source of injustice. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end... It leads to death. Its end is the way to death. So, I really think this is the right way. Okay. But does it measure up with what God's word says? Because if it doesn't, he assures us that it will lead to death. And so as we fight for justice, as we consider justice this morning, we need to understand that there's Satan, the world, and yourself that are enemies of God's justice. Uh, Proverbs 24, 12 says this, If you say, behold, we do not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Again, this reminder, the Lord one day will dispense justice. On the day of judgment, every person will stand before him. Everyone here, whether you believe him or not, if you're watching online today, you're just kind of, you were looking for something and you just kind of happened to come on, I want to tell you, every person will stand before the Lord on the day of judgment. And he will judge each one according to the standard of his word and there will be no wavering with the Lord. So what is justice? What is the character of God? If we keep it within the book of Proverbs, and that's what I'm trying to do, uh, keep it within the book of Proverbs. Let this just think of what God hates and what he loves. Things he loves, that's justice. Things he hates, that's injustice. I'm just going to read a few verses, and Dean will put them up for us. Proverbs 15, 9. 
The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. The next verse, verse 10, there is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. God's really clear what he hates and what he loves in verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 16 to, 9, 16 to 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies and one who soars discord among brothers. As we think about all the problems of injustice in our world, it stems from these things. The pride of life, the deceit, people that would be quick to shed innocent blood and make wicked plans. And then Proverbs 8.13 says this, Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. And so as we seek to live out justice, as we seek to reflect the character of God, we must use the word of God to determine what is right and what is wrong. We must be people of the word. Can I again just encourage you, I know it's summertime, but continue to read the word, okay? Do it outside on those two or three nice days we're going to have, right? Like, get, right? But get, get outside. Get, get outside, that's fine. But get into the Word. There's no excuse for you and I to be like, well, I was ignorant of what was just and what was unjust. There's no excuse for that. God has given us His Word. We must be people of the Word. He is the true standard of justice. He is the measure. And there is no other. So all standards of justice, as we as you and I walk through this world, as we look to what is right and what is wrong, it must flow through the filter of God's word always. If you and I are to remain faithful to the Lord, then we must not compromise ever. Our God-given sense of justice has to be the character of God. Which brings us to our second point. Our God-given sense of justice, the calling of God. Our God-given search, sorry, search for justice, the calling of God. First, I want us to look at justice in the church. Justice in the church. It says in Proverbs 28, 5, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Evil men do not understand justice. It's probably a reason why what even in your generation that you're seeing what was just five minutes ago now is unjust. And what was just, you know, five years ago now is unjust. It's way, the way the world goes. It does not understand justice. When you set aside God, you can't understand justice. It, it, they have no capability. And so they're grasping at straws continually. But you, as the people of God, look what it says. What, what do you understand about justice? Do you understand a little bit? What does it say? You understand it completely. Completely. Because you know the God who is just. 
Bridges says this, the most distinguished scholar is a fool in understanding about justice. Unless he is humbled in the consciousness of his ignorance and seeks light from, ab- from above, he will perish in gross darkness. What a curse are learning and intellect with a humble heart, without a humble heart. Bryce Young puts it like this. The proverb is, this proverb is saying that you're a friend, this, every friend of yours interested in, in justice who doesn't know Jesus is like a blind man demanding that the walls be painted his favorite color. Right? They, they, have, no, they have no understanding. Sadly, even in these recent weeks, we've seen plenty of injustices in the name of justice. But that's what the Bible says. That's the Bible, the Bible describes of those who do not know Christ. They, they, they may be angry, they may be passionate, but without Christ, they are grasping for what true justice is. However, for those of us who know Jesus, that is not the case. Those who seek Jesus understand it completely. Why? Because we're tethered by faith to the one who is justice. Because we seek the one who defines and loves justice, the one who calls us to justice. When we are a true father of Jesus Christ, then you will be concerned about justice in this world. So what does that look like as a Canadian in 2020? Right? What does it look like for you and I to be concerned about justice? In some ways, it's hard for us to find some parallels, and in other ways, it's there's, there's really apparent. Let me give you some examples. Proverbs 17, 23. The wicked accepts a, pro- a bribe in secret to pervert the ways of justice. The wicked, not you as a follower of Christ, accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the ways of justice. Proverbs 18.5, it is not good to be partial to the wicked or deprive the righteous of justice. So what does that look like? You don't change what you believe is right or wrong based on somebody giving you money, based on somebody giving you power. As a righteous person, you stand on what the Word of God says and you do not take a bribe. You don't change what you believe based on what might be comfortable for you. Within the body of Christ, you're like, well, I'm not going to let anybody, you know, off as a criminal. But even within the body of Christ, James had to write to the church there to say, listen, you're not being just in the way that you're interacting with one another. In James 2, 1 to 4, it says this, my brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, in our context that would be the back seats, while you sit, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You see how quick we've become unjust? Well, you know, I kind of, you know, Bob's got some connections, you know, and he's coming to church now, and I, I could really use those connections. And so, hey, Bob, you know, I, you know, so you favor Bob while Bill comes in, and Bill's like, you know, he's, you don't even know Bill, but you can tell he's, you know, he's having a rough life, right? And so you favor Bob over Bill because you're, of your selfish motives. You become unjust. You be like this wicked person who accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the ways of, of justice. We need to be on guard against that. 
In our studies of Ephesians and 1 Peter, we remember that we are all one in Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate that every time we gather together, that we are a family here. And so we ought to treat one another accordingly. Every single person should be treated with respect in the body of Christ. We ought to love one another. We ought to encourage one another. We ought to spur one another on to love and good deeds within the body of Christ. There ought to be no favoritism, no no kind of, uh, of hatred in any way towards one another. We are a family and we ought to live as such. Now you look at the book of Proverbs and then you, you go through the, 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 uh, the New Testament, you see all the ideas of justice that God talks about, taking care of those who are helpless, filtered through the church. And the mandate begins in the church. And so we're told in the scriptures, how do you take care of widows? This is how you take care of them. There's clear instruction in the Bible. If they're younger, encourage them to continue and, and get married again. If they're older, then you are responsible to take care of them, right? That was the thing. Now I say, when I talked about in Canada, things look a little bit different. We're in a socialist country, right? So, so a lot of the things that the church had to do or else nobody would, they would survive, our government kind of helps out with that. But let it be said that there is never one, anyone in need here. So if widows, those who are poor, should be taken care of inside the church, we see that over and over again. Those who would be foreigners to be taken care of in the church. Those who are helpless, again and again, those who are helpless and defenseless, it says, make sure you're taking care of that first and foremost in the body of Christ. And as they did that in the early church, what happened? The world kept looking in at them and like, man, they're different. They actually love one another. They actually care for one another. They're not self-focused. They're other-focused. And they care for the needs in that body. And so as a result of that, many came to faith in Christ. Proverbs is really clear that we we cannot set justice aside for someone else. We can't pretend that we don't see it. Proverbs 21.13 Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. I mean, that's pretty convicting, right? If you're unwilling to help someone in their time of need, then God says, then don't bother calling out to me because I won't be helping you in your time of need. Proverbs 29, 7, a righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Again, trying to put our filter 2020 Canada in this idea of poor. I think first and foremost, I, I, I want us to, who knows what's going to happen in this world, right? <laughs> Eventually, this whole social system may just collapse, right? I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this, God gives has given us a mandate that this family always takes care of one another. And, we, and no, no person left behind. And so that, we start with that. But then, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to travel. I have. There are a lot of people in this world in true poverty. And I remember being in Africa, the kids, the, you know, just scrounging, trying to find, trying food anywhere. And sometimes, again, in an unjust world, in a wicked world, sometimes people 
adults would send kids into the streets like, hey, you go, you go beg. You'll get more money that way than I would. And then, and then they, what? The kids are still left with nothing. So what I would do is I would go and I'd buy a whole bunch of fruit when I'd go to town and I would just give it to the kids. Because what are they going to do? Hand a banana back to, you know, so, to the guy. So, so taking care, right? But how do we do that sitting here? There's good organizations that you could partner with. SOS Ministry. Some of you guys are already doing that. That where they're, those kids are getting an awesome education and they're also not just getting an awesome education, they're, get, they're learning the gospel and they're being taken care of. So find organizations like that if the Lord would lay that on your heart. As I go through these things, I want us to just stop and think, I can't do everything. Can you do everything? Anyone here? You can do everything. But you can do something. So you ought to be in prayer. God, what should we be doing? And even as a church, I want to just, as an elder team, that's one of the things we're thinking of. What, what does God call us to do in the city of Calgary when it comes to outside our doors? Of course, it always begins and ends with the gospel, but, but what specific things, as I go through this list, should we be concerned about and be proactive in? Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Bridges says this, everyone has a claim on our love. Everyone. Every opportunity to do good is our calling to do so. If there's an opportunity, step it up. Kindness is not an option, but an obligation. It is an act of justice, no less than an act of mercy. And so when we operate within this way, within the body of Christ, we quickly have an impact on this world. As I already mentioned, when the world sees us operating together this way, then it will respond to the gospel so much easier. So justice in the church, justice in the home, it's not just when you're together with church people, right? Justice ought to be in the home as well. Check these verses out. Proverbs 28, 24. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says, that is no transgression, is a companion, is a companion to a man who destroys. All right? Trying to look around, see if we got any youth in here, right? But if you're just using mom and dad, and as you get older, you're just like, I'm just going to take whatever from them. Right? And then leave them out on the street, which is the implication of Proverbs 19.26. Who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. God has called us to care for one another within our families. Children are called to love and cherish their parents, not take advantage of them and treat them poorly. Crazy. And the children in 28.24 they even claim that they've done nothing wrong. It's not a big deal. Proverbs 15, 27. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain gains trouble, gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. If you're trying to take shortcuts in your business, like, oh, I'm really trying to just help our kids out. I want to make sure that they have a college fund someday. And so we're just, you know, I know it's a little bit offside, but I'm just going to, take a shortcut here, and I'm going to take a shortcut there. What happens? You will destroy your family. You destroy your family when it's found out what you've done, and you pay the consequences for, for what you've done. 
You'll bring shame on your children. And worst of all, you've set an example for them in the way that they should go. Sadly, parents, you can say a whole lot, but your kids are watching you as well. And whatever you're doing, they will follow. For you, though, those who've been away from home a lot longer than, in, than others, do you, do you still see yourself doing things that your folks did? Do you ever just catch yourself every now and then like, yeah, I remember dad used to do that. I thought I would never do that, right? Do you ever, right? Kids are watching. And so even when it comes to justice, what are you teaching in your home? What are you saying in your home? What, 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 is your, what do your children understand about loving one another? What do your ch- children understand about, about caring for those around them? It starts in the home. Quickly, justice in the government. Proverbs 29 forces this. By justice a king builds up the land, but he who exacts gifts tears it down. Do you catch that? By justice a king builds up the land. In other words, when a land is just, it's going to go really well for them. But when a when a, when a kingdom is unjust, it will tear it down. I remember being in a country one time, and one of the, one, I, was, I was at a church, and somebody came up to me and asked me, and I think I may have shared this with you guys before, but somebody came up and asked me, do you think God has cursed this land? Do, do you think that that's what's going on? Like, why can we never get ahead? Continually in poverty, over and over and over again. How is it that this is the case? Leadership. Leadership. I said, no, I don't think so. I just think your government is unjust. And because, I mean, you think about a place like Haiti. Everyone should be wearing, like, in palaces in Haiti. They have billions and billions of dollars that have been poured into that country. Why doesn't it look like that? An injustice. Injustice over and over and over and over again. And those who actually need the help never get it. And so we need to pray for our government. And sadly, I see a future where our country will crumble if injustice is continued to be held high. Our country will be no like are not unlike many other countries around the world if injustice is not, if, if not, left, is not check, if put in check. What do we do in regards to our government? Well, we learned a lot about that, right? Pray for them. But I also want to say, and I learned a little bit about this through this whole COVID thing, you also ought to let your MLA, let your MP know what you believe about things. Do they know What God says about the things that they're deciding when different bills are coming and whatever, we ought to speak up. Why is our country going the way it is? Because special rights groups are continually in the ear of the government. And so as the people of God, we ought to pray for the government, and then we ought to do what we can when it comes to letting our MPs and MLAs know what we believe on certain issues. Justice in the world. Our pursuit of justice should not be just in the church and in our homes, but it should go out into the world as well. As believers in Jesus Christ, we long to see his kingdom come on this earth. 
Do you? Do you pray, do you pray the Lord's Prayer? Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want your will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, would you make things right, all that is wrong? When we see the deception, the dishonesty, the, the heartlessness, the oppression of the needy and the weak, we ought to be saddened by what we see. It ought to move our hearts to lament when we see these things. Proverbs 11, 10 and 11 says this, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices and when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. In other words, when there is justice, we ought to rejoice. When that wall fell in East Berlin, if you kids, you don't know what that's, you can ask your kids about, or your parents about that, but when that wall fell, that was a great day. It was, a, it was a signal that communism, that oppressive communism that was taken in, in that Eastern Europe was going down. That was a great day and we ought to have rejoiced in that. And as a result, the gospel was able to come in with more freedom. Those things we ought to rejoice in. When we see re, uh, right, righteousness, we ought to rejoice, but we ought to mourn when we see wickedness. And we think about God's concern for the helpless. Think about today. Who are those people? Think of sex trafficking in our world. It's not just something that's happening overseas in disturbing ways. When I say disturbing, just, just the amount of it is just so horrific. But it's actually happening here. Paul Brandt, a Christian in our own communities, has decided that in our city, we don't want to see that happening. And so he's being, he's, he's being organized, he's educating, like this is actually a problem right here. It's not just something that's happening in Nepal and in, in, in Thailand, places like that. It's, it's happening here. We ought to be concerned. We ought to weep when we consider what is happening in that, with that kind of wickedness. Then there are the millions and millions of unborn who are being killed systematically in our country, around the world. Still genocide happening, different countries. In our lifetime, we're seeing happening over and over and over again. We ought to weep over these things. Oppression, persecution. And as believers, we ought to say, Lord, what should I do? What's my calling? I, I'm thankful for organizations like IGM, International Justice Mission, who decided, look, there's laws in these countries that would persecute, or sorry, would, would actually result in these criminals going to jail if somebody just actually cared. And so lawyers and, and, and different people in the law went into these countries to help free children out of sex trafficking. I mean, that's an awesome thing. And as you consider, Lord, what is it that I should be a part of? Always remember this. The gospel is the true key, right? So look into the organization. It, it's an awesome thing when some, uh, let's just use that illustration again, when a child is freed out of sex trafficking. It's an awesome, awesome thing. But if they're still enslaved in their sin for the rest of their life, it's still a tragedy. 
And so it's a both and that we ought to be concerned about. So we ought to be concerned about justice in the world. I, there's, we could obviously go on with that. Two quick things I want us to think about before we get to our last point. Justice towards your enemies. What should that look like in your life? Is that your job? Justice towards your enemies? Proverbs 25, 21 and 22. A, a couple of verses that are repeated over and over again in the New Testament. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. As you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. As the people of God, our job is not to fight against those who would hurt us. That's not our job. We are to love them. Bridges says this, we are not bound to trust our enemies, but we are bound to forgive them. And yet, too often, our love for them only stops us from quarreling with them. If we do not give him food to eat, and if he is thirsty, do not give him water to drink, our claim to love our neighbor is mere self-delusion. No man ever conquered his enemy's heart by revenge, but many have by love. In other words, when your enemy comes against you, you, you don't just like, okay, well, I forgive them. I'm just going to ignore them now. Okay, I'm just going to, I don't want to. No, you go, you're proactive and you love on them. That's what this verse is saying. Justice will be done. Proverbs 20, 22. Do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. He will deliver you. Justice is God's job. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord in Hebrews. Right? That's his job. Your job is to love and put justice in his hands. And then justice as worship. Justice as worship. Proverbs 21.3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. This is a way of life. This is the way that we worship the Lord is by walking out his ways, to live a life of righteousness, to be concerned about justice in this world. A godly walk is a walk that is worship to him. Now our third point. Our God-given solution concerning justice, the cross of God. The cross of God. Now I've assumed a lot as we've been going through here this morning. I've assumed that you know how to be made right with God. I assume that you know God as we've been going through this, but just in case no one does, I want you to understand that there is only justice through the cross. There's only hope through the cross. Let me put it that way. There's only hope through the cross. There's a real problem we find in Proverbs 17, 15. Proverbs 17, 15 Look what it says. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. That's a problem for you. That's a problem for me. Look at it again. What, is, what does it say? He who justifies the wicked, he, to, to justify the wicked is to say, you're actually good. You're you're." You're, 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 you're righteous. You're not wicked. To, to justify the, rich, the wicked is to say that they are okay. And the Lord says, that's an abomination to the Lord. Do you know what the word abomination means? 
It's, it's like a horror to him. It, it's like, it's, it's, it's this disgusting to the Lord. That's, that's the picture here. To say when someone is guilty, to say that they're not guilty is disgusting to the Lord. To say that someone is, when someone is righteous, or so, sorry, and then the second part of this, the opposite of it is what? When someone is righteous, but you say that they are guilty, that's also disgusting to the Lord. And call, all kinds of injustices happen around the world. You just Google, you know, wrongfully imprisoned, right? People in jail for decades for something they didn't do. That's also disgusting to the Lord. But I want us to focus on that first part because guess what? That's all of you. Every one of us, wicked. Proverbs 20, verse 9 says this. Who can say, I have made my heart pure and I am clean from my sin? Proverbs 29, 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart pure and I am clean from my sin? Anyone? Okay, this is last week. This is last week. Who can say, who can say, my heart was pure and my heart was clean from sin? Okay, okay. How about this weekend? How about today? Right? When we understand God's justice, when we understand God's righteousness, we understand there's no one who can say my heart is pure. Not one of us. There's no one who can say that. No one can say that they're clean from, my, from their sin. And so as a result, what everyone needs is condemnation. That is the right thing. That is the way that God has designed this world. And it's disgusting to him that anyone would be able to get off of what they've done. So, just want you to know you're all condemned. Let's pray. Well, why are we here today? Why do we have hope? Can you imagine if that was the end of it? That is God's standard. You're all wicked. And as a result, you will be condemned. And we just left. So what is the solution? Well, be good people. That's the solution, right? Isn't that the message? Be good people. That's not, that's not going to solve anything. The, pun, the crime is still... Listen, if somebody murders your sister... And then they say, okay, okay, but I promise I'll be a really good person. You'd be like, okay, well then, that's the just thing. You should not have to pay for your crime. No one would say that. But we want God to do that. We want God to be okay with our sin and be like, well, you know, we're just going to let you buy on this one. Me and God, we're okay. I don't know how many times I've heard that in my lifetime. No, you're not. You're wicked and you are under a sentence of condemnation. But why do we have hope today? Because we have an amazing, loving God. That's the only reason we have hope today. I love the way Thomas Watson put it. I'm just going to read it. He's just saying, like, well, what did that conversation look like in heaven? <laughs> hey, all, everyone you created, they're messed and they deserve punishment. They have to have punishment. God, if you're going to remain just, they have to be punished. 
Watson says this, God's mercy looked at us in our miserable and helpless estate. But how to do it without wrongdoing the justice of God? It is a pity, says mercy, that such a noble creature as a man should be made to be undone, and yet God's justice must not be a loser. What way then shall be found out? Angels cannot satisfy for the wrong done to God's justice, nor is it fit that one, should, one, na- one nature should sin and another nature suffer. What then? Shall man be ever lost? Now while mercy was thus debating with itself what to do for the recovery of fallen man, the wisdom of God stepped in and spoke. Let God become man. Let the second person in the Trinity become incarnate and suffer. And so for fitness he shall be man, and for ability he shall be God. Thus justice may be satisfied, and man saved. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of God, thus to make justice and mercy to kiss each other. So what God did. Jesus came to the earth. And he lived the perfect life. The question I asked you, who here is pure? Jesus would have been able to put up his hand. Who's been pure this last week? Who's been pure for the last year? He, has, he was pure. He was perfect in all his ways for his entire life. So that he might fulfill the mission. And at the end of, t- of his life, he hung on that cross condemned in my place, in your place, and our sins then were placed upon him. Justice had to be done. God cannot be unjust. So sin had to be punished. And so it was placed on him. It was placed on Jesus. And He paid the debt that we could not pay. And then he gave us his righteousness. His perfect life now is credited to you. That's how you and I have hope today. And it's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There's only way, only one way justice could be served, and it was through the cross. What an amazing God we serve. And so, because we have Christ's righteousness, we can fight for justice on his behalf. Only that way, right? Because if not, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, justice, justice. Not justice to me, though. Like justice over here, but not justice to me. But because we have been justified in him, and we have Christ's blood on us, then we can demand justice for Christ and his kingdom and his glory. I close with this. The day is coming when justice will triumph finally over injustice. It will be complete. But on that day, there will be two reactions, and it's our last proverb. Proverbs 21, 15. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. When the Lord Jesus comes on that white horse, it will be a day of rejoicing for all believers. We will bow and worship, and we will be so 
thankful that he has come. But for the unbeliever, it will be a day of terror when they know that they have rejected him who had offered them life and they will be condemned for all of eternity. My prayer this morning is that you will be the one who will be rejoicing at his return. That you will be a person as we leave this place that when people look at your life, they, they have a better understanding of ju justice because they see the character of God in your life. Because you are like him as you walk through this earth. Amen? Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for this time together this morning. We thank you that you are the one who is just. You are the one who will make all things right. And Lord, if we had an accurate view of who we truly are, Lord, we know that you would be right in condemning us. And so Lord, I pray even this morning, if there will be some who are watching online or even in this room, God, if there are some who are now coming to grips, maybe for the first time to understand that they currently stand condemned, that Lord, you would help them to repent of their sin even now, that you would open their eyes to see that if they put their faith in Christ, Christ will pay, pay the debt for them. Christ will take the wrath of God upon himself so that they might be given Christ's righteousness and then be able to live for him, set free from their slavery of sin, forever to live in righteousness for the king. Lord, help us in these days Lord, to live lives that would fight for your justice in all ways. It's your name we pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.